Thank you for tuning in at Ravenna Assembly of God. We hope you enjoy this message and are blessed from it. If you want to tune in to more messages, log on to RavennaAG.com and search under the Media tab. Thank you and God bless. Today, 2,000 years ago, it was what I call one of the most defining moments in all of our mankind's history. I want you to take a, a look at a portion of Scripture with me that's found there in the Gospel of, or I should say, in the Acts of the Apostles. And in chapter 2, in verse 14, it's just a little kind of standout verse. It's where there's like this transition about to take place between what's happened and what's about to happen. And there you find Peter standing up with the eleven. After this, this is hit in the beginning of Acts 2 raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. And he was about to express some things and share some things that (laughs) was about to blow some people's minds away. So if you will, step back for a few moments and, and think about those times that what took place beforehand. And, and realize that you have them gathered together. There's 120 of them in a room. And as a result of that, there's this, this incredible moment that takes place. And then what will come after this as Peter begins to express those words and, and shares that first sermon that, uh, of the New Testament there. And as Peter raises his voice and he says what he says, there's going to be this powerful powerful experience of a day unlike any other day before it. You have the the gathering again together of the 120. You have the giving of the Spirit that, that takes place, that's poured out from the realm of heaven. And you have this incredible wind and fire that, that takes place. This, this huge wind that'll take and just like, like a big hurricane that hits a certain spot where they're gathered together. So loud and so boisterous was it that it would draw men and women from all over the city to that one central location. That's why you have such a group that's there that's surrounding them to begin with that's going to hear them. And then as a result, that, that fire that sat upon all of them. Now, I'll just mention this very quickly. Those are both symbolic. They're symbols. You always find the wind and the fire when God is about to say something and God is about to do something. Go back to Mount Sinai. You'll see the same thing when the Israelites are brought there. The the wind, the fire, the smoke, all that stuff that takes place when God's about to do something and say something. I, I won't get into all that right now, but you then had the filling. I call it the infilling. Christ would call it the coming upon. And you have the feeling that came into them, upon them, that saturated and soaked them as they began to speak in tongues. Other tongues, not understanding tongues. Tongues that they did, a language that they did not understand or know. And, 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 and with that feeling, you'll remember that they began to speak in tongues. How? As the Spirit gave them utterance. I want you to remember that phrase because I think we've lost that phrase. As the Spirit gave them utterance. This day, as the video says, has changed everything and it still is. This, this, this day changed everything, and it still does. That, that day, as well as today, when the Holy Spirit moves, there's going to be confusion. Just, just like with the sound, and, and then seeing the people there outside, and, and they're all speaking in, in these different languages that they don't know. There would be reference to them as, as, as dummies. Because who do they call them? These people from Galilee. 
that was a slang. They ain't nothing but fishermen. They don't know the scriptures. They don't know none of that. They're in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, they're, the, the languages that they don't know or understand are being spoken fluently by them. They, I mean, you've got to figure there's confusion and then this, the, this cynicalism, the assumption that rolls over that says to the, there's no way, and there's, that would, would then lead to wonder and amazement and questions. Whatever could this mean? And then back to the accusations, oh, they're just drunk. They're just, they're just drunk. They're, they've been nipping at the bottle probably all night or got up at 6 a.m. to get started. But Peter puts a squash under that very quickly as well. These men are not drunk like you assume or like you suppose. You've got some things that are happening. And, take, and boy, is this the condensed version, friend, because if you know me and my teachings, I could spend hours on this. But I want to get back to it because as they spoke these languages, what did they say? What were they saying as they spoke these languages that they didn't understand, but the others did? They spoke the wonderful works of God. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Through all the confusion, through all the cynicism, they spoke the wonderful works of God. I love what the Holy Spirit does. Amen. Peter's going to rise up and say, let this be known to you and heed my words. In essence, if I can put it this way, he's going to explain to them what they knew but did not understand as a result of the prophet Joel. He's going to... They knew what the prophet Joel said, a lot of people have knowledge, but they sure don't understand. And so that knowledge will many times lead to opinions and editorials and everything else. But I bet you every, quote, Galilean that stood there that day that were listening to, quote, opinions and editorials, how many know a person with an experience is not at the mercy of a person with an opinion? When you've had that experience with God... You don't have to wonder what or worry about what anybody or, or just be swayed. You know that you know that you know. In other words, it's, 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 you can say what you want. I just happen to know too much. Because I've experienced too much. So he, he continues that word as he begins to share with them and talk to them about the prophet Joel. He defines for them what is, what is really only just a couple months old. Remember this. This is 50 days since the ascension, and you're talking about 40 days from the resurrection to that ascension. You're only talking a few months since the death and the resurrection of Christ, and now they're gathered together in Jerusalem, and instead of the Feast of the Passover, now they're there for that of Pentecost. And as they're there, and as it's only been months, and then he says this. Take a look at Acts chapter 2. He says in verse 32, he says, This Jesus God has raised up. That's still a fresh wound there, friend. It hasn't been that long. It's still in their, in their talk. It's still in their discussions. It's still in what they dialogue about. The church don't want it to be talked about then, but understand, here comes Peter. Here comes this boom, pow, Tongue speaking, wonderful works of God. What in the world? This Jesus, whom you crucified, was raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, because of that, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Do you, do you realize what he's saying? Because Jesus was raised by God, of which we're all witnesses. We saw, we experienced. We weren't the only ones. There were many, many more. And because of that, he has been 
ascended, he's exalted to the right hand of God, and as a result of that, he has received from the Father the promise of the Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit. I want you to stop right there, because you need to understand, how do you know Jesus Christ has been crowned king? How do you know he's seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty? How? You, you, you have it right here. Because the Holy Spirit has been poured out that which you now see and hear. Well, I've explained this thing a hundred times, but I'll explain it a hundred and one times. When you were back in the day when they didn't have cell phones and tablets and newspapers and televisions and radios, and what they had was straw and hay and horses and buggies. And what? Well, I'm sure they all had hearts or they wouldn't have been around, if you know what I mean. But back in those days, you didn't have a way of communicating to the next town or over across the entire country, that the king had been crowned king. So how would they find out way over there that the king had just been crowned? The way that they would do that is that when the king was crowned, they're up on top of the castle or whatever palace. uh, There would be this large bonfire that would be lit by one of the soldiers. And there across the hill, and there over there on that hill, and there, there would be other soldiers that when they saw the smoke, they would light their fire. Smoke would rise up. And then those who were further out at other places and hills would see the smoke, and they would light their fires, and boom, 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 all over the country. Within a matter of moments, the entire country would know that the king has been crowned king of whatever country. And here, what, what, what Peter is showing us and telling us is that Jesus ascended to the right hand of the throne and was crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. And when that happened, the Holy Spirit was given and then poured out and a fire was lit. And when that fire was lit, it went from one to another to another to another so that before long, over 3,000 that day came to find out that Jesus Christ had been crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. And the fire is still burning. Can somebody, I'm getting excited a little bit here. I'm sorry. Woo, gotta fan these, you know, whatever. I just, I get excited talking about the reality. I don't, I don't, I, mm, I'm gonna say something in a lot of, in, in just a few minutes, it's probably gonna get me in more trouble. Then I've gotten in, and, and, and it's like, how can you? No, never mind. I'm, I'm, rebel, I'm mumbling now, aren't I? Just uh, time out. <sighs> okay, much better. Look at the next verse. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ both Lord and Christ. Put your hands like this. Can you do... Oh, come on, you stubborn things, you. (coughs) If you can't do both hands, do at least one. There you go. Ready? On the count of three. Boom! Ah, there you go. Both Lord and Christ. Boom! Wow! That's huge! Why do I do things like that? So you'll remember. Remember doing stupid things? Yes, exactly. It's how you remember things. You remember your childhood? What do you remember the most? Doing stupid things. Yeah. The idea here is, is I'm just saying, he has, Lord, grab that verse. Let the house of Israel know assuredly, absolutely, that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. What do we do? (laughs) Take a look at verse 38 there. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. 
First of all, friend, understand something. What he's trying to say is this don't stop anywhere. What's taking place here on Pentecost is for every day after here. And it's for all those who will receive Jesus Christ and know the remission or the forgiveness of sin. And as a result, will receive the whole, the gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. You got to receive for the promise is to you. It's to your children. It's to your children's children. It's to all who are far off and you can't get no further off than Ravenna, Ohio. Hello. And, and it's, 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 it's as many as the, what, how many will the Lord call? How many is the, it says for as many as the Lord, our God will call. What's his will to call every one of us. He didn't die. He didn't do what he did for some of us, but for all of us. What was the result? The result was that over 3,000 came to the Lord as Lord and Savior that day. Let me just declare it. God never changes. He is the same today as he was on Pentecost and will be forevermore. He is the same today, May 23rd, 2021. And all my sympathies go out to my sister. She turned 64 today. <laughs> it's, it's all right, sissy. It's all right, sissy. I'm still a year older, so it's okay, dokie. Uh, can, can somebody please pray for me? For you? I want to declare that he who invaded Jerusalem that day still pours out his gift today on those who are his children. I'll never forget my hunger as, as a young person. You know, I... Church back in my teenage days are just a little bit different than what they are today. And, and with that in mind and with what took place, and you know, my goodness, it was an entirely different culture. It was an entirely different way. It was an entirely different way of breathing. And, and, and I say that because with that in mind, I remember as a young person this insatiable hunger for knowing the Spirit of God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit with initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. So, you know, I would take those leaps. I would take those bounds. I would spend those times and, and really didn't have a whole lot of knowledge about what I was doing and what I was seeking, what I was going after. Does that make sense? How many know that you can, do, you can spin your wheels for so long and never get any place? It's like God coming to you like he came to... You know, the Israelites have said, you've gone around that mountain long enough. And it's time to move forward. And, and I'll never forget, I was 14. I went to the youth convention that was in a city called Akron. It was a district, Ohio State youth convention that they had up in Akron at that time. It was at a building, and this is going to really date me, called the Akron Armory. Oh, it's dating you, too. We got... yeah. Everybody that's older going, oh, wow, yeah, I remember that. I used to go watch them play. Uh, that's where they used to wrestle all the time, you know, the professionally. And then my way, I'm going to talk about that part. But David Wilkerson was there that day, well, that, that entire convention. And he preached and shared on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'll never forget that day. Man, I just, I, I just went up and, and I stood there and I lifted my, I wasn't going to leave until I knew that he had poured out his spirit upon me. And I knew at that moment in time, standing that something was getting ready to happen. I remember that there were two young men, I have no idea to this day who they were. They were two guys from someplace else. I don't know. I just, and they, they one took my one arm, one took the other arm. And, I mean, let's face it, coming from the culture and the church, that I grew up in, it, it, it could get crazy. People would do weird and strange things. You know, if you had a, a time for seeking the Holy Spirit, people come up and some would shout, let go, while others would shout, hold on, you know. 
You know, I, 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 you know, I watched my dad get cold cocked one time. You know, hey, uh, it's when the spirit hits some guy and, and, and they picked up my dad. Won't go. I just, I've seen, and you know what? That drove me from the church in, in later years. I ran from it. I didn't want anything to do with it. And then I met my wife. That's another story. But that particular day, I stood there with my arms up, praying after Brother Wilkinson had gotten through with the message. And I wasn't going to leave. And I remember being exhausted and tired. And I, I, know, I knew in my own spirit that these guys were kind of tired of standing there as well. And then I just remember this warmth coming over me. Uh, I don't say that that happens to everybody. But then as I, I quit trying to control what was going on, the Holy Spirit began to do a work in me that was all Him. And I'll never forget, I mean, I don't know how long I stood there just, just speaking. And I remember the exuberance and, and, the, and the, all of a sudden it's just like light shifted. And, and when I, I, I found myself stopping, I opened up my eyes and I looked around and there wasn't nobody anywhere. They were gone. The two guys were gone. My youth group had left. I was there, left in downtown Akron as a 14-year-old with no place to go except, what did they call that place? Scott's Department Store? They had a little uh, um, eatery thing, a little diner thing in the back there. And I, I, so I'm just, I'm, I'm just wanting to tell everybody. I'm just wanting to tell everybody. Something had happened. I was lit, man. I was on fire. Something, something just took place, and I couldn't help but want to just shout it out and tell everybody, you know what happened? Jesus is alive already. You know, but I kept my mouth shut. I just smiled creepily at everybody. <laughs> uh, long, long story. But, but, I, but, but I say that because... Sometimes it's very hard to explain what it is I'm trying to share with you from my heart. Uh, we just got done doing Brent's funeral this last week. And how many other funerals have we done week after week, after week after week? You know, we've... We've come in and we said, where have our senior saints gone? And then we have to stop and say, oh, wait a minute, we are the senior saints now. It ain't good. But, but my point was, all those whom I grew up under, all those who have mentored me, taught me, who showed me, I stopped to think this past week of, of how many funerals I've done in 42 years of the friends and the loved ones, of the families that I've been allowed to be a part of and shared intimacy with during those times. I've, I've, I've looked and I've, I've, I've watched as, as all this has taken place over the years. Ferdiches, would you please keep that baby quiet? <laughs> you know, I am so tickled that they got little Ferdich in here. Wait a minute, Elizabeth. Wait a minute. Let everybody wave at that little ball of joy. Ah, look at that. Now, don't ever run out of here in a hurry like that. If that baby cries, just tell Ken to hush up. <laughs> oh, now she's never coming back in the sanctuary. I was on the way. We, we were on our way to the church office Thursday morning before Brent's service, and I just, I just looked at my wife, and I just told her, you know what, Candy? I'm tired of burying people. I just am. And, 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 and I, I, I say that because of the past, 
and all the things that have happened. I remember growing up as a kid and the fullness of this and the church and, and all that's happened in the church and growing up around Pentecost and hearing messages in tongues and interpretations and words and knowledges and watching the miraculous happen and being blown away by the power and, and the love of God. The one thing, the one thing, even though it's God, I, I, I just, I, I, I realize there's a problem. And even though they've gone on in, in their reward, and I think back as well, as well to this past year and a half and the separation that's been built into the body, I had to stop back and I had to ask myself this question. What is the spiritual health of the church today? Spiritually. Do we operate in the gifts of the Spirit? as we have known and as is purposed? Do we operate in the, the spirit of love? That, that it's not a bondage and it's not some big, I don't know, you know, act one way this way, you know, live, live like heaven on Sunday and live like hell from Monday through Saturday. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a list of rules and regulations and all these things. I'm talking about spiritual health. I'm talking about being recipients of the life of Christ being imparted to us, whereby the Holy Spirit has the power to work within His people, to empower them, to use them in service and in power. Now... <laughs> You can't blame the spirituality of the church on outside circumstances either. You can't blame it on, 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 on situations like, I'm sorry, you can't blame the health of the church on COVID-19. It's not about outside things, it's about inside. And, and I, 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 our spiritual health does not come from this world. I've read and reread these passages in Acts and beyond over and over and over again. And, and, and you know, I know how a lot of people have said, oh, someday, someday, you know, we pray that the move of God is someday, and, this take, and someday, someday God's going to You know, I think about that, that song, Some Glad Morning, when I'll fly away. Like, <laughs> you want help? <laughs> That's, but he, here's the thing. From my heart, I had to ask, and I had to ask this question. I was prompted in my spirit with this question. Church, and it caused me to look past over the number of years of the church and recognize that a lot has taken, taken place out of conditioning. But my question is this, and I don't care whether you're a young person or you're a not-so-young person. Ask yourself this question. Are we using the Holy Spirit, or is the Holy Spirit using us? Want to know why the church declines spiritually? Want to know why people get disillusioned spiritually? Want to know why so many have left the Pentecostal movement over the years? Want to know why? Because it didn't work. Why? Because they kept trying to use the Holy Spirit instead of the Holy Spirit using them. That is an entirely different mind shift. But yet we were raised to use the Holy Spirit. 
And I get that to a degree. I, I really do. But at the same time, that is not the position, that is not the life I'm supposed to be walking in using God. God has purposed to use me. I'm his servant. He's not my servant. It doesn't just apply to the Father, and it doesn't just apply to the Son. It also applies to the Holy Spirit. And here's what happens. Oh, how many know pastors about to get in some serious trouble? And everybody said, <laughs> yeah, that's the left wing. The right wing's for me, but the left wing's against me. Anyways, here's what I'm about to say. And, and I want you to grab this because what we've done when we are using the Holy Spirit instead of the Holy Spirit using us, we become gullible. We do. We end up from TV evangelists on down to books that we pick up and read to this person, that person, everything. We become gullible to words that are spoken. Oh, man. God forgive me. I used to get so frustrated with my mother. I'd walk over and she'd have a a thousand dollars wrapped up in three buckets of dehydrated food because the end was coming near because she listened to a particular show on a Christian television network. And then I I remember receiving uh, these these all natural Doritos and and salsa because they were so healthy. Mm, mm, mm. They tasted horrible. But that's what happens. The money goes out to fund somebody's ministry. And I, and I understand that. Hey, man, we just got done with legacy offering. Let's not you know, say we're all perfect and wonderful. We make no shame in this. We're raising funds for God's house. And we give account of that as well. But enough to say that we become vulnerable and gullible to different words that are spoken, prophecies that are given. And we never know. See, you don't even know what to do with a prophecy. You just want it to be something that's going to, woo, and, and, and I get that. I understand that. But we don't follow signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are supposed to follow us. And so we become gullible and things happen and we get angry and we shut down and we walk away and we're tired of the hypocrisy and everything else because we've used the Spirit instead of the Spirit using us. How many have ever had the Holy Spirit do you, have you do some very strange things? None of you? God bless you. I wish I was one of you. I have done some... You know, I was reading about uh, Smith Wigglesworth. He's walking down the road, just enjoying his time with God. When God tells him, go up to that door and yell in the keyhole, John 3.16. And he said, no, uh uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no, no. And God tells him again. So he does. He walks up there, looks in the keyhole, and says, for God so loved the world and gave his only begotten son there. Whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. <laughs> Turned around and took off. Later that evening, he was conducting the service, and there was a gentleman who wanted to give a testimony. He said, I was standing on a chair with a noose when all of a sudden I heard this voice from my door keyhole (laughs) telling me that God so loved me that that he gave his... You know the rest. Boom. But yet, because it was weird and strange, how many of us would go, that's not God. But you see, you want to know the reason why? It's because we haven't spent enough time with him to hear him. We'd rather just use him instead of being used by him. So the question is, how do we move forward? 
since that was just the introduction of my message, I'm going to give you four quick things. And I'm going to do so in about five to ten minutes. I'm going to go through them quickly. That is a miracle, I know. But let's not count our our miracles before they happen, shall we? I want to give you four things uh, that I believe that we can and we have to do as far as a healthy spiritual church. And the first thing is this. We must pursue intimacy. We need to get close to God. We must pursue intimacy with the Lord and immerse ourselves in the Word. Look, friend, if, if there is anything more, I don't think there's anything more foundational than fellowship with Him and immersion into God's Word. Because I know from experience, and if you give it a hmm, that it, it, the bottom line is that the more closely we walk with Him, the sounder we're going to be. The more we major on the majors, keeping the main things central, the less we're going to drift into things like doctrinal error and and deception and sin. Do you remember the old saying that, that either prayer will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from prayer? I've heard it applied to the Word as well, that either the Word will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Word. It's true, and you and I both know it's true. I personally believe that it's impossible to spend quality time with God in prayer and in the Word, and I mean really meeting with Him in prayer and really reading and digesting His Word on a, on a, digest, on a regular basis. I'm not talking about tipping God with, oh, I'll pull my memory verse out and read my memory verse today. Hallelujah. Okay, Jesus wept. Oh, There's no way you're going to spend quality time with Him without changing for the better. Look, listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to put it out there straight to you. Either we will harden our hearts to the Lord's leading and correction, running away from that place of intimacy, or we will turn away from sin and renounce the flesh and surrender to Him. Either one of those is going to take place depending on our intimacy as well as our immersion. Well, what is it that, that Hebrews 12 says? T- t- take a look at that. Let me, let me pull it out here. I, I, I got, uh, it says, the Word of God is alive. Everyone say alive. By the way, this is the new English version, or the English version, I should say. The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts all the way through to where soul and spirit meet. To where joints and marrow come together. It judges the desires and thoughts of a man's heart. No wonder people stay away from it. There's nothing, there is nothing that can be hid from God. Everything in all creation is exposed and lies open before his eyes. And it is to him that we must all give an account of ourselves. Ouch, ooh. E-ah-ah, ting-tang, walla-walla, bang-bang. Quality time with the Lord and His Word are going to expose the arms of what we'll call the flesh and reveal our carnality. And we will have two choices that will be left. Quality time with the Lord and His Word will expose the arm of the flesh. And, 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 and again, otherwise, it'll sh- what it'll do, show our carnality. We will, we'll either humble ourselves and repent, or we're going to harden our hearts and run. Number two, we must put our emphasis on being disciples and making disciples. I love this story. I, I heard a, a story about I'm sure you've heard this kind of story too. About a speaker, public speaker comes out, he has this great big voss, right? And it's full of these giant, these these big rocks. And he sets it 
on the platform, and it's full of big rocks. And he asks the audience, how many of you think the vase is full? And, you know, they all raise their hands, and, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's full, it's full. And then he, he brings out some smaller rocks, and he lets them drop into the spaces between the big rocks until there's no more room. And so he says again, how many, how, many, how many of you think that the vase is now full? And you know what the congregation does. They, they go, oh, yeah, only half of them, though, because the other half got caught the first time. And this time, you know, as, as he goes ahead and he repeats the exercise, next with pebbles, and then finally with sand, after which everyone agreed that the vase was totally full, couldn't get anything else in there. And so what was the purpose of the demonstration? And of course, my thought is obvious, right? There's always room for more. That's, that's my, right? No. Huh. The speaker's point was this. Put the big rocks in there first, otherwise you won't have room for them later. And I thought to myself, that's a great illustration. Put the big rocks in there first, otherwise you won't have any room for them. What do we say? We are saying that what is needed to be put first needs to be put first because we're all dealing with all these little, small, tiny little things trying to fill up, take up space and everything else. And they will if we haven't taken care of the big things first. We must put our emphasis on being a disciple. Not the little things here, there, and everywhere else. In other words, let me put it to you this way. This is what we need to do when it comes to the gospel priorities. This is what we need to do. We need to major on the major and give our attention to what matters most. If we don't put those things first, everything else will crowd what matters most. We've got to grow in our relationship with the Lord and in the character of the Lord, meaning we must grow in the fruit of the Spirit, grow in the integrity and the honor, grow in maturity and discipline, grow into the image and the likeness of God. And as we do this, we got to reach out and give ourselves to the Great Commission. That's why we've been anointed with the Spirit's power. I'll say it again. That's why we've been anointed with the, the, the Spirit's power. Friend, let, let me just say this to you. Take, take a look at Luke 24 there. It says, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the, and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Friend, when you get into His Word, He's going to be your teacher. The Holy Spirit will take of what is His and declare it to you, impart it to you. We spent a lot of time preaching on that. And, and, and he says, then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father, how? Upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high." In other words, to make the resurrection of the Son of God known to a lost world and to strengthen His people to do His work, we must again become what? Disciples and disciple others. Look, when we make plans, when we make plain things, the, the, the main things, when we put the big rocks in the vase first, We've put our priorities of the gospel where they need to be, and they're not going to get crowded out. Look, if we really love people, why don't we tell them the truth? Why, 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 why don't we ever share anything? It's not like God doesn't open up doors for us to walk through. It's not like God doesn't provide for us a place that we can say, we just, we just look within ourselves and go, oh. Trust, 
The Spirit of God, if He opens the door for you to say, He'll give you the words to say. He can't make and won't make you say them. I believe that every person in this place is all about leading others to Jesus Christ. Wow. Don't shut me down on that one now. But if we really reverence the Spirit, why are we so quiet? We get all in church. If we really honor the Lord, why don't we act with more holy jealousy? Number four. Let me just get into number four. And that is very simply this. We must have a fresh, everyone say that, fresh. Not yesterday's, today's. It's time to go back out and pick up the manna that just came down. We need a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you right now, hear me. I feel like Peter, heed my words. The great cure for complacency and compromise is a fresh visitation of God's refining fire. I I can tell you that the great cure for the flesh and folly is a fresh encounter with the living Lord. The great cure for professionalism, boy, can I take out on that one, and posturing is a, is a fresh immersion of the Spirit's power. I believe that fresh immersion, the games will stop, the showmanships will stop, the abuse will stop, the carnality will stop, or else. And, and friend, <laughs> we submitting what the flesh, what we do is we submit to the flesh, to what the flesh can do for what the Spirit should be doing. Take a look at this point. We are substituting what the flesh can do, yeah, thank you, for what the Spirit can do or will do. In other words, we're using the Spirit, the Spirit's not using us. So we are Pentecostal. Charismatic, charismaniacs, in the name only. That means that contrary to what our critics say, the problem is not that we put too much emphasis on the Spirit. The problem is that we do not have a deep enough encounter with the Spirit. Having Him at work, incredibly, powerfully, mightily in our midst, I know and you should and do that that will bring streams of refreshing to anybody who's weary, to anybody who's, who's, who's in deep, there'll be deep, deep repentance. You, you, hmm. How many know that the Spirit brings powerful rebukes to those who need to know rebuke? I can tell you some things. I'm not going to go there and get in trouble with it, but I can tell you I know they've been of God. But I can tell you that with a fresh encounter of the Holy Spirit, that which is built, that which is built on flesh will be exposed. That which is built on and by the Spirit will survive the fire or will be purified by the sacred flame. Encountering Fresh fire of God anew, afresh, is a hunger and a cry of my heart. And friend, I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you this, that this is my, my prayer, because I, I, I believe that the baptism in the Spirit and in the fire will change us forever and will glorify His name over and over and over again. So I pray. Lord, send the fire. We want to become holy torches for you. Because fire changes everything it touches. When was the last time you spent on your knees at an altar 
going after him. Well, I, I don't need no altar. I talk to God all the time. Really? I'm going to challenge you on your encounters. I'm going to challenge you on your presences because the fruit is not being born. I'm going to challenge you because I believe that what God has in store is kaboom with what only he can do. You know, I don't think I've ever realized how squeaky this floor is when they come up on it. used to sing the old chorus that said, Oh, Lord, send the fire right now. Oh, Lord, send the fire right now. Oh, Lord, send the fire right now and baptize everyone. They were in an upper chamber. They were all with one accord. When the Holy Ghost descended, as was promised by our Lord, then you got, oh Lord, send the fire just now. Oh Lord, send the fire just might even be power. Oh Lord, send the fire just now and baptize everyone. Lord, send the fire. I don't know if you're hungry for it. I mean, I can lead a horse to water. I can share with you experiences, miracles, but I watch as people go on with life and get pulled one way, get pulled another way. And what we used to be so, how do I want to say it? Just totally obsessed with the things of God and the ways of God that have drifted off. And I can tell you why. Can't tell me. Can't tell me they've had an immersion daily of the Word and the presence of God in their lives. You can't tell me that. Because I know better. I know better. <laughs> I heard of one evangelist. He'd spend hours in that place. And he'd go after God. And he'd tell God what tell them what God was telling him and all these other things. And boom, 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 and just hours. Oh, such a man. Man, wow. Ooh. You know what he was doing? Because this man ended up with problems with alcohol and, and, and adultery and everything else. How can a person who spends that much time with God end up in that kind of a lifestyle? Because he wasn't spending it with God. You know what he was doing? Video games, baby. Yeah. There's only one way that trees or branches are going to bear fruit. That's because of the life that's in the branch. And that branch can't know life if it's not rooted. I'm here to declare to you this morning, A, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the physical evidence of speaking in tongues, trust me. It's not over. It's not done. He's the same today as he was yesterday. He'd love the poor spirit out upon you. B, if you're a Pentecostal person who's been around, how long has it been since you've allowed God to pour his spirit out on you? And if you're here this morning and God's dealing with your spirit, about time with him because to me the most important thing, the most important work of the Spirit here right now is not whether you're speaking in tongues or not. Because I know God can take care of that anywhere. He can take care of that in the car. He can take care of that in the bathroom. He can take care of that at the supermarket and scare everybody out of the frozen food section. That's not, that's not the big deal. The big deal to me is, is the Holy Spirit allowed to impart the life of Christ to you. And in so doing, Allow the Spirit to use you instead of you looking to use the Spirit. 
get God to do this, get the Spirit to do that, get the Spirit to take you and take that. Well, I prayed the words, and I said the words, and God, do it, God, hallelujah. What about if God was telling you to run up to a keyhole on the door and quote John 3.16 for no reason at all out of the blue? It wouldn't be God. That'd just be some silly notion. How do you know unless you really have that time with him? You're immersed. I'm here to declare to you, quit being gullible to the world and be one with Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? How many here know that if I had the chance, I'd preach two more hours on this? So how many know that if we don't get to the altar and get to it quick, he's going to keep talking? Yeah, I'm smiling about that, but you know what? My heart breaks because I watch Sunday after Sunday these altars remaining empty when I know that God hasn't changed, that he's the same today as he was yesterday. When I know that God's pulling on our hearts, saying, I miss you. I want to spend more time with you. I need you to be hungry for my word. I need, you, I, need you, I need you to spend time and watch what happens when you actually spend time with me and don't come to me with some dutiful action like, well, I've got to read a chapter today or I've got to read this many or I'm, I'm, I've, I've set the goal to, you know, and all these things. And it's all about you. What instead of you trying to read the Bible through in a year, what if you were led by the Spirit of God to read what he'd like for you to read? Walk up, boom! And don't get me started on prayer. Because the inrod, God birthed prayers from our heart are what the Bible in James says availeth much. Do you realize that God puts in your spirit prayers to be prayed? Well, God. I need, I need you to fix my little toe that's been bent out of shape. I've been walking sort of with a limp, and it's making my hip hurt. And people kind of laugh when I walk by. They keep yelling at me, hey, Festus. Only a third of you probably got that. <laughs> We're using the Spirit instead of the Spirit using us. So friend, can I ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into a place? Some will be a place of repentance. Some will be a place of going deeper. Some will be a place of reacquainting. I'm not asking you to necessarily, you know, run up here. To me, that's my spot. Options given, I'm going to the altar. But this is not a house of rules or, or, or bond. You, you can turn around in your own pew. Granted, that's a whole lot more comfortable. I understand. We'll come by at the end of the service and wake you up. It's not an issue. But I'm asking you, would you take and make the place wherever God leads you to be a place of presence? A place where he begins to teach you, shares his heart, talks to you, says, I want to do this more often. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ in that personal relationship, and in your heart you're saying, I need to know Christ the way he's talking about. I can't do this life the way I've been doing it. And friend, this morning, these altars are for you as well. For you simply say, Yes, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and save me. Yes, it's that simple. But it isn't amazing how difficult it seems to be in our guts and in our spirits that are fighting with everything we've got in us because we're not going to do that. Because that flesh don't want to die. Because it takes courage to say yes to him 
and not be independent of him. Boy, I could go on forever, but I'm just sharing something with you that's truth. We become dead the longer we fight. I'm going to quit talking, being checked right there. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're up here to pray with you. I'm going to ask you this morning, I'm going to ask this house, I'm going to ask the altar workers, I'm going to ask the greeters, the ushers, I don't care who you is, let's find that place of prayer around these altars this morning. Let's make that an altar where God's fire falls and we become the torches of his flame. Worship team, as they sing this song, let's find that place of prayer, shall we? Please sing. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Jesus, in your name, Lord, I pray. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are well some of the older team and fill her way up as well. this place and feel the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Come flood this place and fill the earth 